it will take time to get them to trust you and to really open up. And some of the things that you're going to hear will hurt you and it will shock you and it will make you very sad and it will make you very angry, or at least it should. What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lynn and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast where we are set to transform the workplace. Did you know that we're now on YouTube? Check out exclusive videos on Leading People First so you can watch more as we talk about how leadership is affecting the employee experience. Links are in the show notes down below or just look up Leading People First on YouTube. We all know that recruiting and hiring is broken and there are very few people in the world who know what to do. That is why I interviewed Catherine McCord, who has been fascinated with recruiting since she was a kid and founded Titan to improve the hiring process on a national level. Catherine is also the host of Career Launch Live and is determined to help entrepreneurs realize their visions without breaking the bank. So get ready to launch and let's dive on in. Hey, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the Leading People First podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this this week. (laughs) Well, you and I both have shows. It's been great uh, getting to listen and watch all of your uh, content as well. So what what has been the highlight of the year for you as far as what guests have told you? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? Nobody's asked me that yet. That's a really good one. Um, I think that some of the best, the best moments on my show have come from just the genuine experiences of my guests, not so much their overall message, but just when they're really talking to you about who they are. So as an example, uh, we have Anna Morgan on periodically, who's wonderful. She's a career consultant. And she's called, and she works for her company is called career BFF. If anybody wants to look her up and she's very inspirational and she talks about her journey through recovery and, and all, and, you know, building her company and all of that. And one of the most powerful moments that we had with her recently was when we had her on and she started talking about what it's like to experience addiction as a professional. And what that's like, you know, and, and she's talked about this on other shows as well and what it's like to really experience that. I thought that was really powerful. Um, One of the most exciting, one of the most wonderful things that was like a revolution for me came from Craig Fisher when he came on and he was talking about his, his ratio of five to one, give five, ask one. So when you're on social media and you're, or you're recruiting or anything like that, give five times before you ask once. And that just sent me off on like this whole new method of doing things. And I was just super, super excited about it. And it's really worked effectively for me. So that was really cool. And then one of the other coolest things was actually a fact that I found that I was super excited about, which is that religious discrimination is actually declining in our country, which was super exciting to me. I was, I found like the actual facts to back it up and everything like that. So that was super, super exciting. That's off the top of my head. Oh, and Ingrid Hernandez, um, when she talked about as a woman, what it's like to harmonize, not balance, because that means that nothing is getting a hundred percent, right? So harmonizing motherhood 
with being a professional. And it was a really interesting way to think about it. And although I'm not myself a mother, it gave me an idea of how to balance other things or harmonize other things in my life more effectively. That is awesome. <laughs> Such great tips from, from individuals. I'll, I'll share one uh, real quick of mine that I, I found impactful because I do have two kids is that um, rather there's this pressure that parents have, right. Of mm -hmm. spending all this time and good quality time with parents. And this was a tip from John Hawley um, who, who shared well, rather than trying to like chunk your day with like work and then family time, you're going to have breaks in your, especially now, since we're working remote, you're going right. to have breaks in between, right? During your day, right. out your day and your kids are constantly bugging us for time anyway. <laughs> so rather than try to like say I'm at work from quote unquote nine to five, because that's been so, in so ingrained in us, do away with that. But when you can, can you take 10 minutes of undivided and give your kids 10 minutes of undivided attention Yeah, in little like spurts that. during the day? And I was like, that is such a great idea because not only do I get, am I forced to step away from the desk, but mm -hmm. I am uh, getting to give my kids this time and being clear with my kids. Well, really it's my daughter. Cause she's the only one that understands that at the moment. She's six, or almost <laughs> six. but um, right. But telling her, Hey, I have 10 minutes. Let's, you know, I put my phone down, put everything, leave mm -hmm. it in the office and say, let's go play for 10 minutes. What do you want to do? And then just leaving it at that. That's and great. Then, yeah. So it, I love that because it, it is harder. And this is a big adjustment for a lot of people, right? With their kids to, mm -hmm. to just suddenly be shifted into, oh my gosh, I have to simultaneously balance these two things because now my kids are running around and I'm trying to work. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's really difficult for people. Um, so yeah, that's good insight. I think between yeah. you and Ingrid, I think y'all got this figured out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it, it's all from, you know, for, for me, it's all about learning on this show for me, right. Mm -hmm. Just being curious. And there's so many amazing, like people first leaders out there. And so I want to ask yes. you, what does it mean to you to lead people first? It means that you need to remember that leadership is servitude. I think it's that really that simple. Because when you have that mentality of I'm here to support, I'm here to uplift, I'm here to help you succeed, everything else just falls into place, right? And ultimately, as a manager, assuming that you're working hands-on with your staff, right? That, that is your whole job. That's it. That, that is what you do for a living. You support your staff to make sure that they're successful and that they can get everything done that they need to do. So to me, that's what it is. Remembering that it's about servitude. Awesome. Well, you've uh, you've certainly had quite a journey uh, coming to where you are, and you're about to have a huge launch. But before we get into your big launch, what is, you know, what are some of the key moments that stand out in your career that helped you learn Ooh. to lead people first? That's a good question too. Because you know, I think a lot of times people always want to tell the happy stuff you know, but some of my biggest moments came from kicks in the butt for lack of a better term of, of moments of going, Oh, I really botched this. This isn't good. And one of the biggest moments for me was I had a, an employee who was obviously struggling with some sort of trauma. Now I'm a firm believer that you were never entitled to someone's trauma. So I did not ask 
questions about specifics. I would, you know, say, how are you doing today? And that type of thing, but I would not ask questions. And I knew that there was something and, and I would put some effort, but there was, you know, in my mind, but there were all these other things that needed to get done and all these other projects. And so I did not spend the time that I should have. And as a result of that, I did not help him set himself up for success and he had to be let go. And that was my, because of a a big event that happened that could have been prevented. And that was my fault. That's how I see it. I mean, yes, everybody's responsible for their own actions and all that, but that was my fault because I could have done a better job setting him up. And so that's one of the big moments for me. And then one of kind of the most exciting moments was one of the biggest promotions that one of my staff members got because of the skills that they learned under me. And he got to have his dream job because he learned those extra skills that he needed. And I lost, you know, one of my best employees (laughs) at that time (laughs) to a better, to a different department but I didn't care. I was so excited. I was so excited about that. And I saw it as kind of my victory too. So I think those two things, which happened at the same company, by the way, um, I think that those two things really stood out and kind of taught me more about this is what it really means. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I want to share some praise from Scott Frieda who shares, oh. <laughs> uh, who I reached out to and said, Catherine cares. She cares to meet people, know people and help people. And although that sounds so basic and simple, it's leading by example. And the follow through that also impresses me to no end with Catherine. I'm serious. She is just a really, really great person. And so, well, thank you for that. And and you know, it's funny. So, so Scott's an interesting one. Did you know he was started as my husband's boss was then my client and now works for me. That's that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> We've had quite a journey together. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So, so there's, a, there's, there's, you're, you clearly have this effect around the people that you meet, you know? And so it's all about what can you do for them? And it goes back to right. what I think you believe about leading people first is the servitude and this, the servant it is. attitude. And, so. and I firmly believe that when you put more positive things out there that you get more back. I firmly just, if you don't constantly look to self-serve, if you stop and go, okay, what can I do to make the world better or to make this person's life better, whatever the circumstance is, you will get further in your own life. Just thinking that way. Yeah. It's a great way of thinking. Thank you. (laughs) I evolved that very relatively recently in my life. So with you coming from a recruiting background, you're very aware of the candidate experience. You've written guidelines, you've written tips, all sorts of things on how to create a more productive experience and how to also cultivate those relationships and make it human. And what else would you like to see change currently given our current state of, you know, where we are today in the pandemic? a year in, what else would you like to see changed in the candidate experience to make it more impactful and positive? Honestly, one of the biggest things is to give power back to the candidates. It's like once, once they're in the door, candidates are just at the mercy of companies, right? So I would like to see a little bit more power given to the candidate and for companies to keep that mindset of you need them as much as they need you. Don't get it crooked. You know, Mm -hmm. this, this is a mutually beneficial relationship and symbiotic. So definitely I want to see that power shift. That's a big thing. 
the thing that has uh, been kind of irking me about the candidate experience is especially as you get later into the rounds, the interview process gets a lot longer. As it's in stupid. Like, as in like, yeah. I just had um, a colleague of mine, she went through the last round of interviews and it was a four and a half hour day for her. Like, yeah, that's so now you're going to get me on a soapbox here. Yeah. Okay. So get on it. go ahead. <laughs> so this is it. This is my soapbox about this. Cause I get really crazy about this. So the number one thing that I teach my clients is that the only time that it is acceptable to spend several hours with a person is if you're talking to an executive, that's it. There is no other position and I'm going to repeat that. There is no other position outside of a high level executive C-suite type executive that needs to be spending half a day, a whole day with you of their life. That is ridiculous. Also this nonsense of six, seven, eight interviews that the most I've heard of is 11, which is just that's nuts. utter insanity. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Even a C-suite should not be doing more than four, maybe five, you know, learn how to interview people. This is your job, not the candidates. Yeah. Be, be better at interviewing. And, you know, things like even a professional level position, such as let's say a Java developer. Okay. You don't need more than two interviews with this person, yeah. half an hour to an hour each. Very simple. Maybe have a skills test in there, like a very basic, yeah. you know, very, very basic skills test. That's fine too. What are you going to learn that you didn't learn in an hour? Seriously, mm-hmm. what are you going to learn? That's what yeah. I want to know. It is the most ridiculous. Companies have this idea that if we just drag it out and make this big elaborate process that we're going to get better results. I have hired people on the spot that were some of my best employees. So, I mean, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Absolutely. ridiculous. It does not yield better results to have these long processes. It's lunacy. In fact, you lose candidates because they get tired of it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, part of it is, is this old, uh, outdated notion of like culture fit. Right. And let's like, let's not get into that, but like more, more just making (laughs) sure that like, let's, let's look at it now from like culture alignment, right. That they have the right values. They align with our values and that they can, that they can be, um, good team members. Right. And so now that's why I think that it's been like, I get it. I totally get it um, because you're, you're getting more kind of like stakeholder buy-in within your organization that this person's a good person for the company or for the team. But again, you, you still don't the, need, you still don't need four no. rounds with like no. two to three no. hours each round. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. So people, people don't understand how to hire. That's the biggest problem. And people involved in hiring don't understand what they're supposed to be doing. This is very simple. So the number one thing that you need to make sure of this kind of the first and foremost is the meat and potatoes. Like if I need a Java developer, do they know Java? There you go. Meat and potatoes covered. It's that simple. (laughs) Then you've got, does this person ethically align with my company? Do they align their goals with my company? Those two things are there. Check. Next. Is this person different from what I already have? That's a top priority. You don't mm-hmm. want all of the same thing. That's so boring. And it will actually stunt your company. According to Boston Consulting Group, the more diverse, and when I say diverse, I'm not talking necessarily about race or gender or any of that, although those things do come into play, but also background and experience, right? And the more diverse hiring that you do, truly diverse hiring, you will have an average annual increase of 19% to your revenue. 
That's big. Mm-hmm. That's big. So just hiring somebody different. And the reason for that is the insight that you get into your clients and the innovation that you get from that. And you only get innovation with differences between your people. If you have all of exactly the same, I wouldn't want five me's in a company and I'm pretty awesome, but I wouldn't <laughs> want, I wouldn't want five me's. I wouldn't want five views, although I would hire you in a second. Like I just, but you don't want all of the same thing. Yep. That's very boring and doesn't create help. So that's what you want to look for. Are, do they have the meat and potatoes? And some of the meat and potatoes can be missing, by the way. That's okay if you have the right person. Do they align ethically? Do their goals align? And then do they fit into our diversity plan? Bam, done. It does not take that long to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> so uh, box, sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> well, I mean, now that we've broached the the DEI conversation, I mean, the the thing that we were talking about before we hit the record button was organizations still not knowing how, like what to do about DEI or how to do it properly. So I would also, you know, I would also want to balance that real quick with like organizations that are like looking for perfection too. And then then they take too long. Right. Yes. And so, um, so yeah, tell us more about like, or like companies who are just don't know what to do about DEI. Like what, what are the pitfalls that you're seeing? So the first thing, and we actually recently talked about this on my show too, with Tara Furiani, who is amazing. And if you need help with your DEI, reach out to her, Deanna Stenson-Reese, one of them, they're, they're just spectacular. One of the things we talked about is that we keep seeing with companies is that they find a black person in, and it's always a black person for some reason, I don't know why, in, in the company and they put them in charge of DEI. That's like getting the Asian person and putting them in charge of a math problem. Like, why, why do you think that this person is qualified for this? What about them? <laughs> this, is, this is creating a whole plan. This is creating a cultural change. You can't just dump this on some random person in your company, especially if you're not even paying them extra to do it, which is another problem that mm-hmm. we're seeing. What you want to do with DEI is get someone in there who knows what they're doing and be very careful because a lot of people right now are jumping on the DEI bandwagon that are not really qualified. So pay attention, make sure that this is someone who has worked in HR, who has worked in consulting, who has worked in diversity for a long time, not just the last couple of months, (laughs) who really knows what they're doing and have them come in and help you build a plan from the ground up because this is going to involve major cultural change. You cannot just put some minorities on your website and your imaging, um, you know, hire a couple of extra, you know, minorities or women or LBGTQ or what have you and say, poof, we're diverse. We win. We win at DEI. That is not what it is. Diversity, equity, and inclusion means that those people have the same opportunities, that those people have the same voice in the company They and all of that. And that's the problems that we're seeing is that, yeah, you get them in the door, but then they don't get to rise up to the positions of power. That's just fact. Just let me, and you can look that up in multiple sources, including articles by Forbes and things like that, that women and minorities <clears throat> are not hitting decision-making positions. In the Fortune 500, 87% of of executives are white males. And stop and think about that because women are over half of the population. 
women are half of the work population. Minorities then fill in even more of that. So we're the majority by the time it's all said and done. And you know, white dudes, and I'm not saying anything about boo white dudes, white dudes are great too, are the majority. It's all we're saying is just make sure that everyone has equal opportunity because something's still not adding up. So get you a real expert that knows how to help you construct things and knows how to help you remove bias, you know, deep-seated biases that are usually completely unintentional. And it will really put systems in place that involve follow-up and real equity and inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. So first, tokenism is is no one is, is not the it way. Helps to go. no one. Helps nobody no wants one. that. No, no one wants that. And and the second is like don't put your assumptions, you know, about a certain person because of their race or gender or identity, and then say like this is this is like who we are, like right. So. Those yeah. are two things that like you absolutely can't do. And the other is that's been irking me and a number of people I know has been like, don't, don't support a cause or don't say you're supporting a cause if you aren't actually going to do something about it. Yes. Action. Yeah. Flapping your lips does nothing. Action. That's what everybody's looking for. It's just, it's no different than in a relationship. If someone says they love you, but then they constantly ignore you and want nothing to do with you. Well, you're not showing me love. So we have a problem. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. You have to show action and that, yes, this is a priority to us. And one of the best things you can do is start everything by getting a diverse group within your company hoping that you have at least some kind of diversity here going on. If you have nothing but white people, go out and find some other people and just bring them in and form a council and have real discussions where you listen. Don't talk. Mm -mm, This isn't for you. This is for them. Listen. And it will take a few times. What you find out in the first session will be different than the second, which will be different than the third. It will take time to get them to trust you and to really open up. And some of the things that you're going to hear will hurt you and it will shock you and it will make you very sad and it will make you very angry, or at least it should. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you take those feelings and you say, this is no more. And then you keep on going with it and you put actionable plans and you follow up and you make sure that change happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, but don't, but don't just flap your gums. That's a pet peeve of mine too, with anything. Anything. Yeah. Don't just sit there. Oh yeah, I support this. Like I, this is one of my favorites. I, you know, I do animal rescue, mm-hmm. and it it applies there too. I hear people all the time. Oh, I wish I could help. You have a house. Foster. Be useful. Don't sit here and tell me that you care, and then do literally nothing. Yeah. You know, donate. Do something. Transport. Transport a cat thirty minutes from a shelter to a to a foster's home. Mm-hmm. How hard is that? Yep. You know, do do something. <laughs> if you if you're gonna run your mouth, back it up. I'm sorry. Another soapbox. You're hitting no, on my soapboxes good. today. <laughs> That's totally fine with me. <laughs> I love to, I love, I've been seeing a lot of posts where people are asking people to publicly share their experiences. And I actually really like that, you know, so you'll have somebody say, you know, this is an experience I had, what similar discrimination have you suffered or have you endured? And It'll get you reading through some of these comments, but I encourage everyone to do this, to go find someone who is asking these tough questions and read through the comments. Because just because you're not seeing the cruddy behavior doesn't mean it's not real. And I think that's what a lot of people forget. They're like, well, I'm not cruddy and my friends aren't cruddy. So people just aren't cruddy. No, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me tell you, and you know this too. I'm sure you can, you have plenty of stories about this. I still, as a recruiter, constantly, and I mean constantly here, I don't want a black person for this job. I don't want a woman for this job. I need somebody young for this job. I need somebody who is going to be, as they say it, this is not as direct, but it's, it's one of the more interesting ones to me, who's going to be comfortable around a church crowd. Mm. And what they're saying is, I don't want gay. I don't want, you know, (laughs) that's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. That's what they're saying. And, and I'm going, no. Yeah. And and I, I won't work with those companies, but I tell you, I hear it all the time. People will say that to me when they're not even my client and they just want to do business with me. That's how bold this is. People just put it out there and it's crazy. Oh, and as of three years ago, I, or wait, how many, four years ago, excuse me, four years ago, there were still open clan meetings in Mississippi. So I have, you know, staff all over the place. And one of my staff members was saying, I can't drive down this certain street at this time because of the clan meeting. Oh my God. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> ew. <laughs> this should not be a thing anymore, but it's still, it's, I mean, and we're not talking like a hidden, it's a building with a sign on it. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, I mean, just look at everything that's happened the last few years. It's just become oh. more and more blatant and open. So yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, to... no matter your political affiliation, that's just true Yeah. for what, whatever reason you want to say it's happening or that you think it's happening. It is fact that this has gotten bold again, mm-hmm. that these people, I am seeing it. I have seen some gross, gross public statements, people wearing shirts that I cannot even fathom wearing, you know, saying things like, what was that one? It was, I'm trying to think of the exact wording because it just really hit me. Oh, if you're not white, get out. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> and, and just just real quick side note, people, uh, white people weren't the original ones here either. So don't go there. Yeah. Just yeah. don't. <laughs> well, again, if, if, if organizations can't stand up against that, something that that's, yeah, is that blatant and obvious, then there's an, there's an issue. Yeah. But as far oh, and, as, and, and guys, um, when a woman tells you, I, I didn't appreciate this, this comment, or I didn't appreciate the way that you touched me, or I don't appreciate this or that. You don't get to look at her and say something like, oh, are you on one right now? Or you just need to lighten up. She is setting her boundaries. You can agree Mm -hmm. or disagree with her boundaries. That's fine. I don't agree with every woman's boundaries. I think some people you know, could probably like just realize that it's not meant to be offensive and just kind of relax, but you need to, you need to respect that. And I've been encouraging women to be very public and loud when somebody is gross with them. I've, for instance, have taken to publicly shaming people who use LinkedIn to hit on me. And it happens when you have a show, by the way, like that's not saying I'm so gorgeous or anything, but just as a woman, when you have a show, these things start happening Mm -hmm. and I've taken to publicly shaming them. I will put their photo, I will put their message and I will just have tag people and have people jump in. And since I started doing that, it quit happening so much because they're like, oh, there's consequences. So give consequences. Yep. And, and same thing to minorities, man. If somebody's saying something racist to you, be loud and obnoxious about that and go, yep. uh-uh, 
Hey guys, did you just hear what this guy said to me? Or did you just hear this joke? He used the N word. How gross is that? Call them out, give them consequences. Then they'll cut it right on out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would like to see that in companies too. I would like to see 100%, you know, like if someone makes any sort of comment like that in an organization, organizations need to back it up. They absolutely need fired people on the spot, on the spot. No questions asked for using racial slurs for commenting on a woman's bottom on the spot. Here's your, here's a box, go get your stuff, get out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no games played. I'll yeah. deal with the paperwork later, yeah. but get out of my sight. Yeah. Just not. And, not and that's how it ought to be. Yeah. And, and it is that simple guys. I don't care. It, HR will help you out. Okay. <laughs> if you hear something that gross and it's in public where it's undisputed, fire the person on the spot, make an example, get them out, then get everybody that heard it, get your little statements together, make it all HR friendly, send it off to HR and deal with it. But fire them on the spot, loud and proud, and make it very public so that everyone understands your stance. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's not that hard. And firing people is not as hard as people make it out to be. They fire themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I want to make sure that we we touch on your launch um, at the time of recording, um, because this is something really big. It's something really cool that you're doing um, at the time of this recording right now. Uh, it's pre-launched, but by the time this goes live, it'll have launched. But can you tell those who are listening what you're doing uh, to really try to revolutionize the hiring process? So I am not a technical person, <laughs> but... I've always worked around a lot of great technologies and a lot of very interesting technologies. And the applicant tracking system is known in the HR and recruiting space. And now to a lot of candidates too, thanks to a lot of media about it as being a a disaster, right? They create bias, they create problems. They are not candidate friendly. They, and they focus on the wrong things. The resume side note should also be fired. It is archaic. I know why we started out with it, but it's got to go. So I've decided a while back to partner with a wonderful developer who has tremendous skill as well as hiring thing, a well-established ATS system to develop an anti-discrimination applicant tracking system that fires the resume, resume no longer needed. And it takes you, even if you are copy pasting this information into the system, which is the slowest way to do it. And there are quicker ways such as using your LinkedIn profile It takes 60 seconds and it helps you match yourself to the job, focuses on your skills and everything, removes dates of employment, but it does tell your average tenure, so the average amount of time that you're at a job, it removes your name. And instead you put in a creative candidate headline to help advertise yourself. So you could say like Java developing guru or you know, recruiting genius or what, you know, whatever it is that you want to put in there. Mm-hmm. And that's the only things that they see. They're not going to see anything that could be potentially discriminatory against you or used to create a bias. And they're going to see how you have matched yourself up to the job and the description and the skills. You even get a little chance to tell them why you are the best candidate right there in there. Just bam, not a cover letter, We want two sentences of why you are unique and awesome. And the idea of this, oh, and then it gives more power to the candidates too, because after you've communicated and decided that, yes, I would like to interview with this for this position by communicating with the hiring team, 
you have to say that it's okay for them to see your information. So they send you an email, you click a link, and then they can see your name, your number, and all that. And this can be done in different stages of the process. We will be encouraging everyone to do that after the initial phone interview. But technically, it's at any time, but the the candidate has to say, yes, I'm comfortable with this. So we want to give power back and we want to find a better way to hire because frankly, all that matters is who you are and what you can do. And when I say who you are, I mean, inside your talents, your abilities, and all of that, your personality. So this system focuses everything on that and gives some power back to the candidates as well. That's really great. And I'm very excited about it. That's that's so, so awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, and I forgot our new feature real quick. We're also adding a feature to hold companies accountable for their DEI as well, that will say where they are when they started with us. And that we'll be able to show how far they've come. And that we'll also publicly display their goals in terms of DEI as well. That's really cool. Thank you. Well, I I do have a a question on that. Do you believe that, you know, we can truly eliminate, you know, discrimination and biases, or do you think it's more, you know, reduce it to as low of an impact as possible? You cannot, we can, we are able to remove it in the application process. There it can be fully removed. Okay. In general, no, human beings are who we are. And our minds are actually built to create biases that are, that are intended to keep us safe. But what we have to do is continually revisit those biases and make sure that they're the kind of biases that keep us safe. Like, you know, this snake is poisonous. I should avoid it. That's a safe bias. (laughs) That's one that's okay. (laughs) If someone is pointing a gun at me, that is bad. (laughs) That's a safe bias to have. When you start to realize that you're having a feeling that this group of people isn't as qualified automatically, or, oh, if I hire a a black person, they'll be perceived this way by my client. Those are things that you need to remove and that you need to personally work on. We can't fully remove that, but I'm hoping that as a society, we're going to start encouraging more education and more getting to know each other. Because ultimately, once you understand your brain removes those biases. So when you reach out and you get to know people, your brain starts to receive that new information and automatically readjust. We'll never get rid of all of it in the hiring process of, uh, we'll never get rid of all bias and discrimination, but we can in the application process. And at least it's a step, right? (laughs) That's that's really, really cool. (laughs) I I, I also want to share just, you know, how inspirational you are with another word of praise from Michaela McCord, your sister. Oh, my sister. (laughs) (laughs) Who said, uh, Catherine is an inspiration as a leader. Not only has she been a model and leader in my own professional career, she has also guided me with her leadership in my personal life as well. Professionally, she has opened numerous doors for me while also giving me the autonomy and confidence to achieve on my own. With Catherine's cooperative leadership, I'm now holding my own lantern. So I just wanted to share that with you. So cute. I love her. My sister is the sweet one of the two of us. (laughs) 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 But no, that's that's wonderful. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) Of course, absolutely. Well, what um, you know, before we before we sign off, I would like to ask, what is the impact that you want to have on those that you lead? I want to help them realize whatever their goal and their dream is, whatever that is. That's what I want. I want to be a stepping stone to wherever they want to be. 
and to help them reach that in any way that I can. That is that's awesome. it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a, I have a very similar like purpose, uh, right. You know, just, just wanted to see people succeed. Right. Uh, it's, it's like one of the best things in my, in my, yeah. in my opinion. So I agree. Yeah. I agree. When you watch somebody else have their dream, there's just nothing more wonderful than that. And knowing that you had any piece of that, even if it's small, is just the best thing in the world. And I tell everybody, there's no such thing as a self-made person. There's always somebody who helps you along the way. And I like to be one of those people. And I like to remember the people that did that for me. Beautiful. Well, thank you again, Catherine. What would you like those who are listening right now to do next? First, I would encourage, I would encourage whoever is listening, no matter where you are in your professional development to stop and say, what can I do to give back today? I don't care if you're a customer service rep, you've got something to say and something to give, do it. If you're the president of a company, maybe it's doing something to help your employees succeed today. Maybe it's reaching out and saying, how can I do better? Maybe it's giving to a charity, whatever you think of sharing information on LinkedIn or on Facebook that helps other people, something you can do to give back, to make the world a better place today. And then after that, connect to people, network, find your tribe. That's the most wonderful thing that you can do. LinkedIn is an amazing tool. Get out there and find other people that are interesting, that can teach you, that you can learn from and connect, 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 and make contact. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Catherine. I'm so glad that uh, we could finally do this. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the what your ATS can bring change to our process and the way that we hire. So really looking thank forward you. to that. Oh, I'm excited about it. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Leading People First podcast. If you like this episode, click subscribe and hit the share button to send it to someone who's looking to level up their recruiting game and get in contact with Catherine. Let's keep this conversation going by telling me what you learned or loved from this episode on LinkedIn or Instagram, or even check out our latest videos on YouTube. Thank you again for tuning in. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.